My name is Jamie Piles. I joined Samaritan in December of 1996. We were homeschooling our kids and we were already thinking outside the world's box, if you will. And I saw a little tiny classified ad about this new kind of idea I'd never heard of before. My first reaction was, that's the kind of thing that we would do, isn't it? And so I finally called the number, talked to them, and the more I asked them questions, the more I liked their answers. Welcome to Cross Politics on the Fight Laugh Feast Network. Man, this is such a good week. Yes. So many good yes. friends coming on the show. Today we have Dr. Rosia Butterfield um, on, on the five lies. Mm. You the know, that are um, and, and, and I guess there's only five lies <laughs> that are, we're dealing with in our culture. Right stop now. it, Gabe. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> hey, uh, in Genesis chapter 2, verses 10 through 12, God tells of the gold in the land of Havilah and that the gold of that land is good. Hallelujah. Ever since the dawn of our father's world, gold has been universally recognized as true money and therefore the most reliable store of savings. Cross Politics corporate partner Alps Precious Metals enables their clients to protect their God-given hard-earned wealth from the serious financial problems that are upon us. Alps provides the Cross Politics family with the best strategies and solutions for investing in physical precious metals. As a result, you can enjoy a peace of mind that can be had with few other investments. You can call James Hunter at Alps at, oh man, he's just going to give you his number. 251-377-2197. That's 251-377-2197. Visit the website at AlpsMG. Alps, sorry, AlpsPMG. Dot com. I'm trying to build some trust. You can call me. Yeah. <laughs> you can call me. Talk about gold. I got you. Gold. Hallelujah. Mm. Hey, hey, since it's it's December. Yeah. Because because the show it is today December. Was, yep. December first. December. Sorry. Yep. Speaking is, speaking uh, prophetically. December first. Name and claim it. Um, we're actually going to be giving away a bunch of stuff during December for. That's right. A, a, but you have to sign up to be a club member because we'll draw all we'll draw the names from all our club members. Yes, and we'll give away uh, stuff for December. Yeah, so and I, all I, culminating. Yeah, okay. In the in the biggest <laughs> gift, you, you want to talk? I wrote the app. Okay, all right. Now, all right. You're just, you, now you're just doing. I'll it. let you do it, Toby. Go. No, 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 no. You, you, please. I already ruined it for you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's over. It's over. Uh, it's over. Sorry, it's, it's all, all culminating. So, uh, we're going to be giving uh, stuff away today. We're actually going to be giving uh, Doctor Rosaria Butterfield's book uh, away that we're interviewing her about. Um, to cl- to a club member of yeah. of a random drawing, uh, but this whole December is going to culminate in giving away mugs, sweatshirts, it's, it's, it's magazines, hats, hats, subscriptions, uh, t shirts, yeah. bags of coffee, right? Okay. Thermoses, so red thermos, all the goods that flow out of stickers. So every show in December, yeah, we'll has give a giveaway. Giveaway yes. something. Oh, uh, talk about the big one culminating. Culminate. I, I can, I can <laughs> do this. Go ahead. Go ahead. And, do it. and we're going to give do the thing. 30 tickets to one person to Prodigal America next uh, it's our Fight Laugh Feast conference. October 31st in Fort Worth, Texas. 2024. So one person's going to be able to bring 30 of their friends if you have to friends. Prodigal America. Or they can scalp them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey. Because they're going to be hey. worth more start, value once we give them away. Start a black market. Yeah. Um, and so you'll be able to buy homie. 30 of your friends okay. and show them a good time at prodigalamerica.com. Right yeah, we're going to do the drawing right now. Let's give book Do you got like a drum? Oh, here you go. Is it? Oh, hang on. i got to bring it up. Here it is. Okay. Ready. Okay. Oh, Michelle Albrecht. 
Okay. Club member. Michelle Congratulations, Abra- Michelle. Right. Just one Rosario Butterfield's book. Five yes. lies of our anti-Christian age. age. We'll yeah. be email only five lies. Yeah. We'll be emailing uh, and getting your address. Uh, uh, write that down. Make sure I, I got it right here. Got I got it right here. Yeah, Don't lose it. Okay. It's, it's, it's baked in the There you go. Now. There you go. Merry Christmas. Um, this book might bring tears to your eyes when you get to the end. I'm just saying. I know. I know. I'm just we are saying. so grateful to have with us, finally. I mean, yeah. this is like, this is long, long time, time coming. coming. Yep, absolutely. I, I, I blame Gabe entirely yeah, no. for this. It's always my fault. It's Gabe's fault. This. It's cool. Um, but we are so grateful to finally have with us Rosaria Butterfield. I'm a little nervous. Former professor. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I mean, the way she handled <laughs> Liberty University. Dog. <laughs> <laughs> I hope she calls out each one of us. It, yeah. No. Rosaria Butterfield, former professor of English and women's studies at Syracuse University, converted to Christ in 1999 in what she describes as a train wreck. Her memoir, The Secret Thoughts of an Unlikely Convert, chronicles that Great difficult book. journey. She married Kent Butterfield, a Reformed Presbyterian pastor in North Carolina, and is a homeschool mother, speaker, and author of the brand new book, Five Lies of Our Anti-Christian Age. Rosaria, thank you so much for joining us on Cross Politic. Oh, the honor and privilege is all mine, gentlemen. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Well, um, we uh, we've been we've been well, we've corresponded with you uh, here and there, mm-hmm. and uh, been grateful uh, for your work and your faithfulness, and really grateful for this this new book uh, and her uh, encouragement. She seriously we've been through some shows that we've had and been through some fire, and she emailed us multiple times. And encouraged oh yeah, us, so absolutely. No, it's been been, yeah. been awesome. Um, so. Just, I think it'd be helpful just to start with um, the the basic thesis of your book. You're you're outlining five lies of our anti-Christian age. Can you walk through those just quickly for our yeah, audience? Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, uh, a couple of years ago, probably 2019 or so, uh, moms and grandmas would stop me at Costco or come to my house or come to my church or write to my website and say, "What is going on? If Christ is not divided." Why are Christians? Uh, my pastor says we need to major on the majors, but we can't even agree on what those are. And so I sat down and I came up with three reasons that have unleashed five lies into the evangelical church. And then to my great shame, I discovered that I at one point promoted and believed all of those lies, uh, certainly as an unbeliever, but also some of them as a Christian. And so the three reasons are, are pretty straightforward, no- nothing shocking. The first is that most of evangelicalism denies the fact that the seeds of the gospel are in the garden. And if you deny that, then you deny the creation ordinance. If you deny the creation ordinance, you um, end up having no real reason for Jesus Christ as as our savior, because if there's no Adam, there's no no need for Christ. Um, The second is that for the most part, we have just failed to know what time it is. And so a number of people will say, whoa, Rosaria, what's going on? Your tone is wrong here. I, I don't, I think tone might be the wrong word. Um, tone mood? Is the, uh, Would mood be a better word? <laughs> well, no, mo- actually mode, M-O-D-E, oh, mode okay. is where I would go. And that is just that it is the literary device that is urgent and that impresses upon your readers a sense of needing to know what time it is. And what time is it? It's post Obergefell. It's post-Bostock. Mm. Um, it's no way you can send any child to a public school in good conscience with, you know, the Biden administration thinking that castrating a 14-year-old is defended by the 14th Amendment, and right. on it goes. So what time is it? And, you know, then the third is is a real lack of love. Christians 
have failed to love our enemies. And instead, we've decided that common grace is enough, and we're going to pretend our enemies are our friends. And then that has unleashed five lies that have always been in the world, and I certainly promoted all of them uh, to my shame um, and to the cause of my repentance. Uh, but those have now been unleashed into the church, and that's a problem. And the five lies are simply this. The first is that the belief that homosexuality is a normal sexual variant. The second is the belief that um, pagan spirituality is um, is decent and good and kind and kinder than biblical uh, faith, which is um, harsh and restrictive. Uh, the third is the idea that feminism is good for the church and the world. Mm. The fourth is the lie that says transgenderism is a normal gender variant. And the fifth is that modesty is an outdated uh, expectation for women that holds them back and upholds biblical patriarchy, and somehow that's bad. And one of the links that these five lies, uh, one of the ways that they are linked is this false idea that sex and gender are different. And it's it's so interesting to me as someone who was a you know a professor and a feminist and a lesbian and who you know believed all this the, a, a feminist paradigm almost an idol almost a you know a sacrament is this idea that sex and gender are different that you've got your biological sex and with the, are these creational potentials for women but you know what if I'm called to be a you know you know I don't know astronaut you know I've got to be able to leave my house I can't possibly be bound um, by this this body that God gave me and the creation ordinance, which is a you know a beautiful covenant. And so it's interesting to me that the sex gender distinction, which is a feminist you know paradigm and watchword, right. has found its logical conclusion in transgenderism right. that says there is no sex, there's only gender. And so um, it, it, and it leaves us with a really good question. If we don't like biblical patriarchy, what do we think of the patriarchy we now have, which is transgender mm. patriarchy? What, yeah. you know, do we like that better? Is that working for anybody? Yeah. And so, you know, it, it, it is a book. It is written for moms and grandmas. And I mean, if you all want to listen in, that's okay with me, obviously. Um, <laughs> um, but, you know, and also for, for young women who want to aspire to be um, homemakers and moms and see that as a very, you know, as a crucial, necessary, um, you know, the gold of this life on earth. That's who it's written for. And sometimes I get a good bit, bit of pushback too. And it's always, but like, what about single women? Like, what, you know, what about, what about, what about? And that is also, I think, a consequence of these five lies because it's only in very recent history that we have allowed the anomaly to renorm the norm. Mm-hmm. It used to be, you know, Christians aren't barbarians. We recognize the hardship of anomalies, the hardship of being different or being, you know, ill or being, um, you know, longing for something that you have not yet received from the Lord. We, we want to be sensitive to that. But it's only in a very, uh, you know, very barbaric world that we would say that the anomaly needs to renorm the norm. And, and we see that certainly with transgenderism, uh, you know, used to be, I mean, a very small percentage of people. Um, transgenderism has kind of two prongs to it. One is more of a, um, a kind of psychological, psychiatric condition 
Um, the medical analog would be something like anorexia, a, a body dysphoria, a hatred about your body. That would be a horrible thing. Nobody would want that. And nobody would look at an anorexic daughter and say, she just needs a sticker in a parade. You know, she'll be fine. No, it was it's a sickness. It was an illness. It was something that needed to be corrected, solved, a problem that was very dangerous. Or you have the, um, you know, uh, the, 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 the more pervasive problem, thanks to our government schools, of uh, transgenderism as a social contagion. But even there, you wouldn't say, well, all you need is a sticker and a parade, uh, you know. So, so I think that the, our lack of willingness as a church to confront these, to call them lies, to call them out, yeah. to say, you know, not here, not in my house, not in my church, not here. Um, I think it's really, it's really created a terrible situation, especially for young women. R Rosaria, um, I mean, there's a lot of lies going around in our culture right now. Why did you kind of pick on on these five lies that are obviously all tied to our sexual dysfunction in our culture? Right. Yeah, that's a great question. And 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 especially, why did I do this during a time when everybody else cares about um, critical race theory or right. you know some of the other critical uh -huh. theories? And and the reason is simply this: um, if you attack the creation ordinance, which is what homosexuality, transgenderism, feminism, all of these lies do. If you go to war against God's created order, that's a fatal heart attack. Um, critical race theory, some of these other issues, you know, that's a broken leg. That's bad. It's painful. Don't try to go run a marathon on it. But it's not a fatal heart attack. But the creation ordinance is at the heart of what it means to be made in the image of God. And so the fact that there's, even the fact that there's confusion over the ontology of maleness and femaleness, um, you know, that, that there is confusion over this thing, all of, all of this shows part of the problem. Because to be confused in a time of war is a very bad thing. Mm -hmm. You know, we have um, uh, been in this, you know, I was born in 1979 and... Uh, grew up in the '80s and you know Southern Christianity in Texas, and uh, it's it's crazy to me to to I mean I never would have imagined in my lifetime that our society would believe or accept the idea that a man could become a woman. Right. Um, right. I mean, even when Bill Clinton was president, that seemed far off. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And now you're missing those days. <laughs> yeah. I want to go back to Bill Clinton. That's weird. Um, it, you know, what has, um, why has, how, it, it seems like we've just gone like zero to, you know, 40 miles an hour to like 200 miles an hour in this decline in our culture. And now these lies are even being taught as like in our public school. Um, well, I, in I, churches. I was going to say, in, in that's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's the shocking that, that's, part. That's right. is that I expect right. the schools to do some yeah. of this stuff yeah. because they're teaching evolution. But how is this seeped yeah. right inside of places where we have the word of God sitting right there in front of us? Right, right. Yeah, well, that's a great question. And I would say I've got three answers to that question. The first is that we are not dealing with... Um, you know, the marketplace of ideas. We're not dealing with uh, pluralism, um, no matter what David French wants to say about the subject. We're not dealing with any of that. We're dealing with LGBTQ plus as the reigning idol of our day. Mm -hmm. Should the Lord Jesus Christ, Terry, I strongly believe that 
that these days that we currently live in will be remembered in the infamy of Moloch. And in the Reformed tradition, what do you do with an idol? Well, you destroy it. Mm, you destroy right. it. You, you don't simply, you know, sing Kumbaya next to the sacrifice of children on the, on the Mount of Moloch. You right. don't, you don't do that. And so just the fact that even uh, broad evangelicalism is confused about what to do with an idol is, I believe, the problem. So I'm wow. going to blame the yeah. church. I think this is the church's fault yeah. for not being able to say, these are wolves. They, these are, you know, these are not lost sheep. Lost sheep don't want to be your pastor. <laughs> okay, they're, they're belly up in the pews. But, you know, these are wolves. These are false teachers. We need to call it out um, and, and, and just not, and not, and not tolerate it. You know, Jenny Geddes threw it at, you know, at the infamous stool at the head of the yeah. state sponsored pastor. And I would just like to encourage some, some stool throwing here. Um, <laughs> Come on now. Come on now. You know, you right. go, you go get one That's of these. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I, I went to a, I went to a reformation party, you know, down in Kent near Kansas city. Yeah. And, and as they had like, you know, people dressed up as like different characters from yeah. you know church history and this kind of stuff. And they had like these games set up for kids yeah. and they actually had this booth, Jenny Getty's booth, a Jenny Getty's booth. Wow. Where the kids could, they had a, a picture of like some kind of a, uh, Pope or something, and they, could, they they had these little mini stools that the kids could throw, and if they hit the the Pope in the head, they got a they got a uh, candy or something. You know that's that's it's so countercultural to how everybody. You know the thing is, I think everybody likes to hear about Jesus turning over the tables. They like to hear about Boniface, but the moment of truth where you really have to act like that, everybody calculates what's going to happen when I get done, and so then they don't take the move. No. Right. Yeah. And so what So, well, how, what does it look like to do that? Yeah. Well, see, I don't have a job to lose, so I don't know. I mean, I, I don't have anything to lose. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my, my secret weapon is I'm a homeschool mom, I think. And I really do mean that. Yeah. Um, and I'm wow. a, not, not only that, but I'm a member of a reformed Presbyterian church. Yeah. So uh, the whole Internet can call me out for using the word heretic when. I probably should have used a stronger word, you know, describing, you know, but, but anyway, anyway, um, uh, you know, but, but I, I am, I am not accountable to the internet. I'm accountable yeah. to my church yeah. and uh, my, my pastors and my elders have viewed my Liberty address and I, I'm, I've not been called out on it. So that's, um, I think, I think knowing who your authority is, yeah. In evangelicalism is, uh, you know, maybe even using the word authority is, yeah. is you know, already yeah. triggering. I don't know. But I think it's just time that reformed Christians, um, you know, that we speak to broad evangelicalism the way we hear sermons in the pews. So I, I often tell people, I don't think my Liberty Address was terribly shocking. You should hear the preaching I sit under. <laughs> I mean, there wasn't, That's right. There wasn't anything in there. Right. Uh, I mean, you know, I what do I do? I'm like Mary Poppins. I stand up there and I tell stories and I sing psalms. And, you know, that makes people cry. Okay, I don't know what to say. Yeah. That's you really know, good. It, because I think people are missing out. This is why the home is so important. Mm -hmm. I was listening mm -hmm. to somebody the other day talk about that. Uh, their wife feels very comfortable being an evangelical Christian out in public. And the guy piped up and said, that's because her husband's carved out a space for her to be safe. 
And in the same way in the churches, like pastors carve out the spaces for their congregants to be bold because they preach in such a way that creates boldness in their people. And that's because true biblical authority is freeing. Uh, and it's a protection. Yeah. Right? So it protects you and it frees you. And it you. frees you. Yeah. I got to know, you said there was three things. Did we get to all three of those or did we, did you just hit one? She hit them. Did you well, have three? Yeah, okay. I know. See, I'm an Eng- the problem, I'm an English professor, so I throw I throw numbers around and it's like, <laughs> what is she talking about? So, <laughs> I'm trying to write them down. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, the, th- uh, the three things that were in my head that could be always dangerous. Uh, the first is that LGBTQ plus is not simply a um, a matter of vocabulary, but a matter of ideology, specifically because it has become the reigning idol of our day. Mm. And we know that because people get fired for not using preferred pronouns. So we know it's not a free choice. And then the other two things that were, I guess, somewhat connected to that is that the two, uh, the twin efforts of the Reformation were to tear down the idols and to proclaim the word of God, not, not to try to you know, leave the idol standing and think that, you know, that's okay. So you've got to tear down that idol. You can't call an idol something that it's not. One of the things that you hit early on, Rosaria, that I thought was just really helpful um, on transgenderism in particular was that uh, you identified it, it's it's root sin as the sin of envy. Can you you unpack that? Yeah, I am. And I can tell you, I'm a little, I'm feeling a little bitter because after I wrote the book, um, uh, my husband preached three sermons on the sin of transgenderism, and he came up with a whole lot more than just the sin of envy, <laughs> because indeed he is a pastor, and I am an English professor, so there's only a, uh, but, but, um, but yeah, absolutely, that what transgenderism at its root is, is and, and I would say homosexuality as well. Okay is a violation of the 10th commandment. It is a desire for that which God has said no to. And then an insistence that my feelings are right and I am entitled to it because for whatever reason, because I've felt this way my whole life or I've just felt this way since Tuesday or it, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, envy is, is more severe than wrath. Envy is rottenness to the bones. Envy is mm-hmm. a compulsive madness. It's a kind of peripatetic bedlam that creates havoc everywhere it goes. And, um, and I would add it's satanic. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, this, uh, you know, as Knox was saying, you know, the idea that a man could be a woman and a woman could be a man or, you know, it's ridiculous. Nobody, nobody believes that, but you could see if Satan is really, you know, stirring the pot and there are too many wolves in charge of either churches or parachurch ministries or what have you, um, the sheep get really confused. Mm-hmm. And they forget that the most basic things about the gospel are the water and the blood, mm. the truth the truth of the word, the, the victory of repentance, um, repentance unto life, um, the power of the risen Christ to unleash, a, a, you know, an authority that that frees you and gives you victory. And, you know, when people come to me and say, how can I please? I want to have a ministry to the LGBTQ plus community. You need to realize if you have a successful ministry, there is no LGBTQ plus community. That's right. That's right. 
So, you know, you need to, and, and postmodernists are never teleological. So, you know, you also see a kind mm. of postmodern, um, you know, empathy driven, therapeutic nonsense right. that has replaced right. the gospel. And this is where just thinking Christians need to say, no way, not on my watch. This is garbage. And, and I think that's the other thing that I, I wanted to do. You know, when I, when I spend time talking to grandmas and moms whose families are literally ripped apart by the envy of transgenderism, uh, they are, you know, being blackmailed by children who need, you know, who are delusional and by churches and pastors who are weak and somehow unable to see what's right before their very eyes. Those moms and grandmas need to be encouraged that they can just call garbage garbage. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they, they don't need they don't need to write a book review on it. Yeah. Um, they need to do exactly what they do every time. You know, you get up in the morning and after your grandchild has been here, you just go through the whole house and you just throw every piece of paper away that has one crayon mark on it, and that's all there is to it. <laughs> yeah. And you you know you worry about it tomorrow. So so I think too we 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 have become so bizarrely cautious that we we aren't taking the risks we need to take. And there are many, you know, again, moms and grandmas whose 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 families are being held hostage by envy. Right. And 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 it's 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 absurd. And you know, you, you can also see the way certain very, very bad ideas have become slogans in the church. And again, you know, the gospel topples those. Yeah. But you have to be willing to say that. Mm. You know, you actually have to be willing to say to people, get behind me, Satan, yeah. and just see what happens. That's right. All kinds of pretty colors explode yeah. out of their head. You That's know, right. why not? You know, you know, it's like, I know you're Presbyterian. Y'all don't do that at your church, but, you know. <laughs> but we're doing it here. Come on people, now. And Jesus, I mean, Jesus said that to Peter. Yeah. Get behind, Get behind me, me, Satan. So, you know, right. you know, one of the apostles, you know, so <laughs> yeah. people, people don't get that. I mean, when, when you, when you, when you describe something as right. being satanic, being something that is bringing something evil into the church, I mean, if Jesus can say that to Peter, then we can and must say it yeah. in where it fits. And, and that doesn't mean that that person is, um, you know, demonized forever. Or demon possessed. It doesn't, or does, even it, demon possessed. It, it, it just, yeah. it just means what you're trying to push right now is satanic. Yeah. And no, right. that's going to get in the way of the purposes of the gospel. That's right. Mm. Right. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. These, these, these lies that you're talking about are very entangled with strong feelings and emotions. Mm -hmm. And, and so, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's hard. That's hard to break. Not just, you know, right. some people are caught up in lies. Um, they aren't emotional about it and you can, you can reason with them a little more, but when you add like strong emotions along with it, you're, you're dealing with a, a, a very different, issue in nature of and i think i think you're it's helpful at, when you pointed out that like our nation's biggest sin is the idolatry of sexuality the, the what legitipiqua yeah, there we go yeah, yeah. lgbtq we i have to interpret for not sometimes and how is and if i go ahead oh, could i just add something to that because i think i think that's absolutely right and I think what has happened is you're just your everyday Christian in the pew who does not want to have a fight, is not looking to cause trouble, right. but is seeing her family, you know, just torn apart. 
by this, uh, you know, by this idolatry and is wondering, well, how do I proclaim the gospel in a hostile world? Like, you know, I know how to do it at a, you know, a party and at a barbecue, but, but what do I say to my local school board who's hanging millstones around the necks of my children? Mm. Jesus has a perfect plan for your life. And so, you know, that's where our our denomination and, uh, you know, one of our central doctrines is the mediatorial kingship of Christ. And that's where we call people to the repentance of sin, not only in their personal lives, but also in their office. If they are holding a mediatorial office or if they're holding an office in, you know, the, the, the government. And so, um, because Christ himself has an office and we actually believe Psalm 2. We think That's it's, right. you know, for real. So I think this inability to sort of see it through, to, to see the gospel I hear in church preached before my school board, if you can't take that gospel outside to that hostile place, if the gospel can't go and not be hostile, but topple all kinds of principalities and powers, then you are really in a very bad place. And I know I went from Liberty University, you know, to that that fun uh, experience um, to four days later talking to people who, you know, wanted to have my head on a platter at the local school board, uh, you know. And and to me, that's just part of what Christians do. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I don't know. You, you, yeah. you, you wash your dishes after you eat your dinner. You know, that's right. what you do. Do they have my children? Absolutely not. They can't have my children. That's right. Hmm. But I would say that gives me even greater liberty mm-hmm. to to speak about you know the issue and what I spoke about last week was right. really you know you do realize that with detransitioners now suing the American Academy of Pediatricians yep. on the grounds of um, uh, you know what was it? It wasn't just it wasn't just malpractice. It was. Uh, civil fraudulency. Yeah. You do realize that you're next, right, your right. school board. Yeah. Okay, like you, you know, your names are on it. Mine, not mine, are not. But right. you will be sued next, and I don't need to be a prophet to see that because right. what uh, civil fraudulence is is exactly what you are doing: transitioning children, social transitioning without even ask, you know, without even telling parents, right. even though there's a law on the land, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I don't have to get there. Oh, no, but it helps. Can. <laughs> <laughs> you can go there. To me, to me, it's very grounding to go to the school board and go be a Christian. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I, I, um, you know, I'm not alone. I have, you know, friends from church who go and I think quite frankly, they almost wish the Moms for Liberty would come and the Reformed Presbyterian Church of Durham would just stay home. Um, <laughs> oh. That's what you want. Wow. <laughs> you know? so, so my question was kind of getting at because... Uh, how, Stop hogging, I know, sis. I know. I'm, You're just I'm, hogging, sis. Yeah, I, I got it. I got it. He's just going to hog her like that. But my okay. question was getting at is like the church has been swept up in these lies and yeah. the emotions of it. Uh, and, and you even... Um, I didn't follow all the details, but you even kind of went through some public repentance on like using personal pronouns mm-hmm. or some thought process there. How yeah. how's the church kind of gotten getting swept up on all this when God's word is like very clear on you know sexuality and male and female and all that stuff? Yeah, I think I think it's the I think it's what you said before. I think it's deciding that our magic bullet is empathy. 
And our job is constantly to stand in the shoes of other people. And, mm. you know, Joe Rigney's work is, is brilliant here, extremely helpful. Yeah, yeah. It's not that, it's not that empathy is never useful. It's just that if I'm drowning in a river, I don't want you to jump in with me and experience it. I want you to stand <laughs> outside. Come on. That's right. Throw me a rope. And yet yeah. what has created, it's created this, um, you know, I mean, here's the thing. Sin infantilizes people. Yeah. And um, and so it's not surprising that we live in a world that is more filled with sin and more filled with infants. Um, uh, you know, I mean, I heard I heard the school board say last week, we're not here to solve problems. I said, wait, 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 you're the school board. <laughs> you're not here to solve problems. Joey over there needs a different school lunch and Bobby needs a different math class. And why do you you're not here to solve problems? Right. But there is this idea that somehow... Um, that's, um, aggressive, that's not fair. Um, and, and, and I, and I do think, so I think a number of things, I think that we've allowed empathy to take over our, our minds. I think that, um, uh, many parachurch ministries are afraid of losing, you know, toilet paper and light bulbs. Um, because let's face it in a hostile world, it's a, you know, you're going to have a different clientele. And as my husband puts it, uh, liberals make bad martyrs. So, you know, what are you going to do? So that, so I think, I think that's, that's part of the issue. Um, and I, you know, for myself, I I don't know. I mean, do you realize what a terrible, dirty, rotten sinner I, (laughs) I I mean, do you know what I tracked in on my feet when I walked into a church? Right. right. Um, and so, so to begin the book with repentance, um, was really necessary. Like in some ways I want to say, why would anybody want to believe me on any of this? And so I start the book with repentance of, I think maybe four or five different issues that I was just sinfully wrong on. Mm-hmm. And, um, and what is interesting, cause you know, obviously when you, um, you know, when you write a few books and you have other people who are committed to you standing in the place you've been standing in. Yeah. Um, before I before I went public on all of that, I, I spoke with the people that that were standing next to me. I said, "Look, this is what I'm going to do." Yeah. And I, you know, I, I'll tell you, I didn't have a lot of people encouraging me to do this. Mm. Um, wow. And furthermore, what's even weirder, I think, I'm not surprised at that because these people are not homeschool moms, so they actually have ministries to think about. I don't have a ministry. I have a family. I like how and you that said gives, that. <laughs> that gives me freedom. That gives me freedom to just, yeah. you know, quite frankly, give as many public spankings as I need to without uh, really. And four, I'm not on social media. So, <laughs> yes. But but I would say I would say this. It it really um yeah, it 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 it, it it really does just come down to being willing to um, to lose your own reputation for the cause of Christ. And so, uh, you know, I don't suspect this book is going to be a great bestseller. I, I really don't. But here's what I do know. God can use a dead book as easily as he could use a live one. And so to the glory of God, I needed to write that. But what's really surprising to me is um, why is the idea that Christians repent of their sin, why does that cause shock and awe Come in on. the evangelical world? Come on. Like, right. Because we don't. Yeah. Yes, and that's a problem. So we have no business calling other people yeah. to repent, and then we don't do that either. Right. And I thought about that at the last school board meeting. What would my friends, my former friends, I suppose I should say now, from the Gospel Coalition say to me 
if they were at the school board meeting with me. I mean, at best, they should say, I'm sorry that you decided to castrate Johnny at the age of 14. It probably wasn't God's best for him, mm. right? Mm. You know, what would what would Preston Sprinkle say? He'd say, he'd probably have to rebuke me, right? Mm. <laughs> Not that he hasn't, but, but anyway, <laughs> he'd probably have to rebuke me yeah. because, you know, I didn't attend his seminar last week, which is all about humanizing the trans experience. Oh. And meanwhile, you know, people are feeling, you know, moms and dads who do not yet have the gospel and the Lord Jesus Christ have committed the sin of castrating their children mm. in the name of a false therapeutic idol. liberty, yep. an idol. Absolutely. And you know what? They're going to wake up someday. Yeah. And we're not, and we are Christians at the school board. We are not the people, um, at least I'm not the person holding up pictures of um, mutilated bodies because I don't believe that these people are examples of what not to be. I believe that these people, mingled as they are right now, are image bearers of a holy God. And should they commit their lives to Jesus, they will know that God can't be mocked and that the the man that they were meant to be, they will be, if not, you know, on earth now in the new Jerusalem. Right. And the woman that they were meant to be, they will be, if not here on earth, for eternity in heaven in the new Jerusalem. And so we proclaim that gospel as we call the school board to repent. Mm. And um, and you know what? We do it all in three minutes, and then we go home, and we do the dishes, and we tuck the kids in. And <laughs> yeah. We, you know. Amen. Life is good. Amen. She just Life added- is good. Exactly. Life is wonderful. Yeah. This yeah. is These are great days. She she just added the spanking gate. Did you catch that? Yeah, yeah she did. Uh, yeah, she did. <laughs> Diapers, <laughs> dishes, and dominion, baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. Let, let, me, let me read this ad, and then sure. Knox, you, you, you got the last word. Um, this is the time of year many of us are thinking about how we're going to pay our medical bills next year before making a final decision. Take a look at healthcare sharing with Samaritan Ministries. As a Samaritan member, you're connected to 80,000 Christian households across the nation who stand ready to care for one another spiritually and financially when a medical need arises. Samaritan Ministries is affordable and with no network restrictions, you're in control of your own health care, choosing the doctors, hospitals, and treatments that are right for you. And with direct member-to-member sharing, you'll always know who your money is helping and that you're not supporting medical procedures that go against your values. So get started today at SamaritanMinistries.org slash CrossPolitik. That's SamaritanMinistries.org slash CrossPolitik. Sis, um, thank you for this book. I've really enjoyed it. It's yeah. been a great book, and I, it has some surprises in there, particularly on page 259, 260, where you start talking about in the presence of my enemies. I really want you to go through that. But just the preface wow. to that, um, so I've been really thinking and pondering that verse, and I've been thinking about it more as in a mafia type of mindset. <laughs> So I just think that's one of the most gangster verses in the Bible. Like in the presence of my enemies. Like God is preparing a table before you yeah. in the presence of your enemies. And it's just like they can't get to you. All they can do is just watch the blessings of God be prepared before you. And you get to have this feast and this joyous moment while your enemies are watching this and not able to do anything. And God is doing it all. So it's not even in your work. He's doing everything right. and he's doing it in a place where you shouldn't have comfort. Right. <laughs> it's just like it's, you can't get more gangster than that right there to me. Yeah. So it's a, it's a beautiful. But, and so w- when I was reading your book and I saw this part, I just had to jump to it real quick. Could you explain to everybody how you talk about um, in the presence of my enemies? 
Yeah, yeah. And actually, um, uh, Toby's brother, Jesse, was one of the people who prompted me to think about that verse a little bit differently mm. because um, it, it was, it, 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 I, so we're, you know, people often say, oh, why do you, why do you name names? You know, that's just so mean. And part of it is that I'm an English professor and therefore yeah. I cite my sources, which yeah. is of course so inappropriate. <laughs> but the other is that I'm a psalm singer and, you know, you try to get through Psalm 83 and not name names. You got 10 of them right there. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and as I was singing Psalms before I was a believer, but you know, I'm, 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 I'm a friend. I'm a, I'm a neighbor of Ken and Floyd Smith and they love me enough to tell me the truth, to sit me at their table, um, to sing with me, to feed me. And they probably did that 500 times before I ever walked, you know, put my feet through the door of the church. So, Mm. um, and that's just, you know, that's, that's who they are. They're, they're actually real Christians and that's how they live. They live with that in that hospitable way. Um, but there was one night in particular that I was at their table and, um, uh, after dinner, you know, Ken of course would open the Bible and, and he'd read a passage and then we would, you know, people would pray and and then we would sing a Psalm and we were singing Psalm 23 and I was really nursing my wounds that night. I don't know why, but, um, you know, feeling like, oh, you know, I'm the only lesbian here. I'm a sexual minority, you know, these horrible, you know, these people, they don't, they don't really like me They you know, they they accept me, but they don't approve. They've made that clear. And I got to that line in, in Psalm 23 um, about dining in the presence of my enemies. And, uh, and it was indeed the Holy Spirit that made it clear to me that I was the enemy. And so in some ways, I'm looking, I saw this very differently. I was the enemy. Mm. And those Christians loved me enough to tell me that, to tell me the truth. And to sit me at their table where it was safe to hear the thundering of the Holy Spirit in my heart that I was an enemy of these Christians, even more frightening, I was an enemy to God himself. Who can stand before that, right? Mm. Um, and that, and then, of course, you know, because these are real Christians who believe in what our confession would call repentance unto life, that you repent of your sin and that gives glory to God. And God is gracious to forgive you. And, 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 and furthermore, you know, with repentance of sin, and I certainly experienced this in, in my life, each time I would repent, um, the Lord would, would, would tear down that bridge that I walked to, to get to him. And so even if I wanted to scurry back to my lesbian partner or my or my my lesbian community or whatever, I couldn't. The bridge was gone. Right. I, I couldn't walk backwards. Yeah. I could only walk forward. And so it was um, a very powerful thing to realize mm. that um, that I was the enemy and that my Christian neighbors loved me well enough to tell me the truth. And they believe not just not just my truth, your truth, my feelings truth, but John 8, 31, 32 truth. Mm-hmm. The truth that we abide in that, 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 that shatters even, you know, the roaring of our enemies. It didn't matter. It didn't matter that I was the lesbian activist who had co-authored um, policy to 
to create gay marriage laws in New York. It didn't matter that I was that person. I was a lost sinner and my Christian neighbors loved me enough to sit me at their table and tell me that. Mm. Amen. 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 That is beautiful. And this whole book is great. Five Lies of Our Anti-Christian Age. Mm -hmm. Uh, Where where can people get it? At Amazon? Anywhere books are sold? (laughs) I suppose anywhere books are sold. I think when when Amazon finds that line that says transgenderism is satanic, I don't think you'll be buying it on Amazon anymore. (laughs) But... um, you know, uh, but yes, it is currently available okay. on Amazon, Reformation Heritage, Crossway. I don't know. Reformation this, this book, Heritage. This book is, they've sponsored us, Reformation Heritage. Yes. So buy it there. Yeah, get it there. That's right. This book is loaded with scripture and great storytelling from beginning to end. I was expecting a textbook and I got a narrative and stories and so much Bible. Sis, thank you so much for this. Really appreciate yeah. you. You're always welcome here on Cross Politics. Thank you, brothers. I appreciate it. If you're single, get married. If you're married, have you some kids. And if you have kids, go baptize them. Until next week, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This is Cross Politic. Hi, I'm Luke Ritchie. Wrong timeline. Okay, that's better. Time travel mechanics can get a little bit tricky. I'm Luke Ritchie, Chief Visionary Officer of Gravity Jack. In 2009, we founded Gravity Jack and essentially patented AR. What I'm about to tell you about is a vision that was 14 years in the making, War Tribe of Vinyaman. This is a game that feels so real, it might be. It's a genre-defining game for AR and mobile and the Apple Vision Pro. We've integrated artificial intelligence, not just into the characters in the game, but actually in the business model of War Tribe. So I love augmented reality games. They're one of my favorites. Uh, But the problem is it seems like they've added AR as an afterthought into the game. What if you sat down for 14 years and planned the entire thing around augmented reality? Games make a ton of money, and typically that money doesn't end up in the pocket of the players. We intend to change that. Lastly, and this is important, half the world has never and never will be targeted by big tech for an AI natural language processing engine. We're definitely going to change that. War Tribe of Binyamin has gameplay like you've never seen before. We have portals opening everywhere, we have holographic communication, but what's really cool too is the world of 2133 is accurately geo-overlaid on the world of today. We're laser focused on ROI for our shareholders, which is you. One of the things we're doing that's super unique that's never been done before is taking 10% of in-game revenue monthly and giving it off as a dividend. The other co-founders and myself started Gravity Jack in 2009, but in 2007, we'd actually sold our company to a gaming company. We've hired the best of the best in terms of game development. Our director of development, product designer, are all veterans in the gaming space. Uh, And not only that, we're going after a market that's gigantic. We're combining four huge major markets, artificial intelligence, augmented reality, translation, and gaming, uh, all for a combined market value of 1.85 trillion. Our incredible history has led us to be experts in mobile development, augmented reality, AI, gaming, and computer vision. It's been a wild ride here at Gravity Jack. A benefit to being so early on in augmented reality has led to a robust patent portfolio with active revenue and more to come. We've had the privilege of working with clients such as Oscar Mayer, Kraft, Lincoln, Samsung, T-Mobile. We've also worked on non-lethal Department of Defense contracts as well. 
we were a reference developer for Meta on the Oculus 2 directly, creating a game where other developers look to our source code for best practices. Early on in Gravity Jack's history, we did a game for Double Down Casino, and at the end of that contract, it was grossing 35 million a month. Our robust history has led us to be experts in augmented reality, AI, gaming, computer vision, and mobile development. Play to Earn opportunities for the impoverished create an AI language model for unreached people groups, allowing us to have an eventual monopoly on speaking to half the planet. Our focus is shareholder dividends immediately after the game and into the future to create a game that's gonna blow the world's minds. And we're pulling people out of poverty and into productivity. So what's the ask? Join the Binyamin.